Hi, my name is Dwayne. I am a practical atheist. I struggle with this disease. I struggle with going through the motions of being a Christian. I struggle with this thing of practical atheism. And I'd like to welcome you to this meeting of recovering practical atheists. You know, that's how... At Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, that's how they begin. They introduce themselves and they, they say, I am a recovering alcoholic. Because once you are an alcoholic, it's something you struggle with your whole life. You know, I, I know uh, people that are recovering alcoholics that have been dry for 40 years that say they still, they still struggle with the temptation of alcohol. You know, this thing of practical atheism... And a practical atheist, as we learned two weeks ago, was someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. And as a believer, I struggle on a regular basis with believing in God, but at times living as if he doesn't exist. And I have to live one day at a time. Every day desiring more of God. Some days are better than others. You know, two weeks ago, we discussed the fact that we believe in God, but, but we don't fear Him, or we don't have an awe of God. Today, we're going to tackle the issue of, I believe in God, but I don't feel forgiven. You know, some of you are sitting here this morning and you feel as if you have not been forgiven. You know, all of us are in need for forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we are all in need of forgiveness. And forgiveness is a liberating and freeing experience. But the lack of forgiveness is something that, that imprisons us and holds us hostage if we don't receive forgiveness and if we don't extend forgiveness. But there are some requirements for forgiveness. Yes, you know, Scripture gives us these requirements. Yeah, and we talked during the, the Genesis series and going back to our Christmas series that the requirement for sin when it entered the world was a sacrifice. So sin requires a sacrifice. Hebrews 9.22 tells us that the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So sin, there is a penalty for sin. Sin requires a sacrifice, and Jesus Christ became that sacrifice for us when he came, died on the cross, and was resurrected. God provided a way for me to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says that he is rich in kindness and grace, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He is so rich in kindness that he sent his son to die for me, to become my sacrifice. Romans 5 verse 6 says that you see at just the right time when we were 
when, when we were still powerless, living in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's who Christ died for. I was ungodly, living in sin. And verse 8 says that God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He became our sacrifice. And his sacrifice for us requires a response. Jesus dying on the cross requires a response from me. I will either accept that sacrifice or I will reject it. So it requires a response. It it requires me accepting Christ's sacrifice. And Romans 10.9 says that, that if we confess with our mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. So first of all, if I want to receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ, I have to accept the work that was done on the cross for me. And then the second thing I have, I have to accept, I have to confess my sins before him. We have to confess our sins. Now, this is not a works-based um, salvation that I'm talking about. Jesus died on the cross. I have to confess with my mouth that he is Lord. I have to confess my sins before him. First John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When I confess my sins, he cleanses me. When I ask forgiveness, he extends it. But, you know, there's something else in this whole thing of confessing our sins. In, in James 5.16, it tells us, Therefore, if we confess our sins to each other, so that, so that you may be healed. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something powerful that happens when I, when I confess my sins to another person. You know, and this whole thing of forgiveness, you know, some, and some of you are sitting here this morning and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but you're still sitting there and you feel unforgiven. You, you feel shame, you feel dirty. There is an un, there's, you just feel unforgiven. And I think part of that for us is, you know, we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin, but James says that we are to confess our sins to one another. And why do we do that? I think we do that so that it creates an accountability between me and, and another person. Now, I don't think we get up every morning, every Sunday morning, and all of us confess all of our sins to each other, but we find someone that we trust and that we respect, and, and we, are, we become accountable to them. I confess my sins to my brother or my sister in Christ. And in that, I believe, it creates freedom. But we just bury our sin, we bury all this stuff, and we hold it inside, and we never let it out. And so I believe that a part of feeling and being, feeling forgiveness is to confess our sins to one another. 
So I have to accept what Christ did on the cross for me. I have to confess my sins, the Bible says. And then it also, I have to repent of my sins. What is repentance? The definition for repentance means to change a change of thinking which results in a change of life. You know, you may be sitting here this morning and you feel unforgiven. You've accepted Jesus Christ, but your lifestyle hasn't changed. You're still going the same direction you were going before you accepted Christ. You see, repentance is turning and going the other way. And that's something we, we miss. We just ask Jesus into your heart and your sins will be taken away. And you go on living just like you've always lived before. Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And, and if we do that, if we keep on living like we've always lived when, we have, when we've asked Jesus Christ to become our Savior, you won't feel forgiven. I would question whether you're, you're and you're going to get, you may get angry at me for this, but, but if there is not a change in your life when you, when you um, ask Jesus Christ into your heart, is it real? Romans 6 verse 1 says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You become a new person the day you accept Jesus Christ. And people who believe in God but live as if he doesn't exist oftentimes haven't repented, aren't going the other way, aren't living in that new life that, that we are promised when we accept Jesus Christ. Are you living the new life? Are you still stuck in, in that, that unforgiveness, in that shame of your old life? Because when I accept Jesus Christ... I become a new creation. But if you don't, you will continue to live as if he doesn't exist. Forgiveness requires repentance. You know, in Acts chapter 2, when the first sermon was preached after Jesus had ascended into heaven and, and the Holy Spirit came down, P Peter was preaching to the people and, and they were convicted because they had just, they had, they had crucified the Messiah. They had crucified the Savior. And so they said, um, after Peter had preached, they said, what shall we do? It says they were cut to the heart. What shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized. Turn and go the other way. Live a new life. You see, when I, when I confess that Jesus is Lord... And I repent of my sins. And he comes and he takes up residence in me. I become a new creation. My sins are taken away. Uh, if you turn with me to uh, Psalm 103. You see, when I accept Jesus Christ, something about me changes. My sins are all removed from me. Psalm 103, in fact, it says this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. 
He does not treat us as our sins deserve or we repay according to our iniquities, our sin. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Now listen to this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from us. He's taken my sins away. And if you don't feel forgiven, it's because, because you haven't accepted it. You know, Jesus, when he died for us and when I accept him and I confess my sins, they're gone. They're taken away. There's no reason to not feel forgiven unless there's something going on in your life. But the Bible says that God removes our sins from us. And the result of that when my sins have been removed from me, when I'm living the victorious Christian life, when I'm living in relationship with him, then I will be able to forgive, first of all, myself. You know, some of you are sitting there this morning, you, you've accepted Jesus Christ, but you're still not feeling forgiven and, and you haven't been able to forgive yourself for something you've done. Or for things that have happened to you in, in your life. You have not been able to forgive yourself. And many people that are in the church live in a pit of shame because of past experience. And maybe that's you. Because of, of wrong choices they have made. Or because of wrong choices that other people have made that have hurt them. But the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians that I am a new creation. There's no reason to live in shame. But many, many people today, and you may be sitting there this morning, living in a pit of shame because of something you've done or because of something someone else has done to you. And this pattern of shame begins something like this. You know, we experience a painful event or make wrong choices. We've all done that. And then we believe this lie that our failure is who we are. That the things we have done have become who we are. Our sin has become our identity rather than something that we have done. And you know, I think some of you are sitting here this morning and your past sin, your past, things from your past have become your identity. It doesn't have to be like that. And then our feelings of shame trap us into thinking that we can never recover or never be forgiven. And there's this continual cycle of shame and guilt that we live in day after day after week after month after year. And we never feel forgiven and walk in that victorious Christian life. We believe that somehow we don't deserve to be forgiven. And Satan continues to condemn us and lie to us. You know, John 8, says, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And some of you are believing the lies that he's telling you about your past, which is continuing to cause you to live in that pit of shame and has, has kept you from, from forgiving yourself. Yes, even though Jesus, even though our Heavenly Father has thrown our sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more, you are remembering them and digging them up and living in those sins. That's not the way God designed it. 
You know, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. In, in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says, He is the accuser of the brethren for the accuser of our brothers who accuses before our God day and night. He is the accuser. He is continually lying to us about who we are, about our identity in Christ. And some of you are believing the lie that Satan is telling you. And your past has become your identity. Something that someone has done to you or a wrong choice that you have made has become your identity. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you need to be willing. You know what God has forgiven you through Jesus Christ? You need to be willing to forgive yourself and to move forward with the plans and the purposes that God has for you. Because he's created you for a purpose. Has a plan for your life. You are a new creation. And if you're living in that, in that pit of shame, in that cycle of unforgiveness, you believe in God, but you live as if he doesn't exist. And if I'm going to break that cycle of unforgiveness for myself, break that cycle of shame, I have to understand that Christ is my redeemer. He is my redeemer, and, and, and the word redemption means to purchase back of something that has been lost by a payment of a ransom. You know, Christ through the cross bought your sins. He, he freed you from that bondage that you were in. And I have to understand, Jesus is my redeemer. He is the one that purchased me out of slavery, out of that sin of slavery. He paid the price. I must accept the gift. I must believe that I am forgiven and not allow my past to control my future. I am a child of God. I am royalty. I am loved by the King of kings and Lord of lords. I am his child. And you have to believe that because the scriptures tell us that's who I am. When I become his child. You know, Philippians, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me. Philippians chapter 3. By the way, if you're, if you're, we've, as you're turning there, you should have all received an outline in your bulletin. What these are for is for you to fill out, number one, to, to look at, to reference back to during the week, and then to go to your ABF next week and be ready to discuss what you're learning about forgiveness. And so I just encourage you to take, to, to take part in our ABFs um, with these discussions because we're discussing this in our ABFs next week. All right, Philippians chapter 3. It says, not that I have already attained this, all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and this is what I want you to, to, to get. One thing I do, Paul says, I for, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, forget the things that are behind you. Forget your past. Forget all those things that, that you were. You are now a child of God, look forward, look at Jesus Christ, and run towards him. 
Don't allow your past to be your identity. Run towards Jesus Christ. Allow him to be your identity, not your past. Don't look back. Look forward. Satan wants you to look back. God wants you to look forward to what he has planned for you. But you have to be willing to forgive yourself. We are not our sin. You know, David struggled with this after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed and was living, uh, just living a, a wicked life when he was confronted. And when he went before God in Psalm 51, he begged, he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great passion, compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. And then he said in verse 10, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That needs to be our prayer. If we're living in this, in, in, in defeat, this needs to be my prayer. Allow the Redeemer to restore you. And when I have a right view of him, I will have a right view of myself, which is a child of God. I am royalty. I'm loved by him. And when I do that, then I will be able to forgive myself and then also forgive other people. You know, there's an old saying that says, hurt people hurt people. And it's because people who have not forgiven themselves cannot forgive those around them. Because not only does unforgiveness become between us and God, but it also breaks my relationship with other people. And if you have a hard time getting along with people and forgiving people, it's probably because you haven't forgiven yourself. But when I forgive myself and I understand how great God's forgiveness is for me, then I will be able to forgive other people's the things that they have done against me. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 25. And unforgiveness, what it does, it, it allows the devil to gain a foothold in your life. When you hold grudges against other people, it allows Satan to have a foothold. He will gain control if you don't take care of it. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down when you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't ever go to bed angry. You know, don't allow other people, don't allow your, your anger to control you. But extend forgiveness to the people that have hurt you. Because if you don't, they will control you. You know, I heard this great quote the other day. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to, to get sick from it. And that's so true. Because unforgiving, having an unforgiving spirit towards other people is like poison. And I'm here to tell you, it's not going to hurt anybody but you. And it will kill you. 
because it is poison. You know, there's a story in Matthew chapter 18 of an unforgiving servant. And this unforgiving servant um, owed his master um, more money than he could ever in a lifetime pay him back. And so he went to his master and he, he fell on his knees and he begged him to forgive um, him of it or that he, would, he begged him just to give him more time to pay back his debt. But the master knew that, that he had so much that he could never, ever pay that debt back. So the master, what did he do? He forgave that he didn't just extend um, him credit and give him a longer time to, to pay it off. He forgave the debt completely. And the servant went away and was excited and glad and rejoicing because his debt had been forgiven. But what is he? He goes out on the street. He meets a guy that owes him uh, 20 bucks. And he says, pay me back the debt that you owe me. And the guy's like, you know what? Give me just a little bit of time. He's like, no, I will not forgive your debt. And had him thrown in the jail for the little debt that he owed, this guy owed him. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 3. He says, then the master called this servant who wouldn't forgive the debt. He said, you wicked servant, I canceled your debt, the debt of all, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the, the master turned him over to the jailers and had him tortured until he could pay back everything that he had owed him. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Those are some pretty strong words. What he's saying is, look, if you can't forgive people that have debts against you, your heavenly father cannot forgive you. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not feeling forgiven, then there's a good chance that you have people in your life that you have not yourself been willing to forgive. And you need to do that because you are drinking poison, expecting them to die or them to be hurting when you're just hurting yourself. Because when I forgive those around me, who have hurt me and done wrong things against me, then I will experience a feeling of forgiveness myself and freedom. It's amazing what forgiveness does and how freeing that is. And some of you could tell stories of forgiveness and how freeing that is. But some of you are sitting here this morning not knowing what that, how that freedom feels because you have not been willing to forgive people. And you're drinking poison. That bitter root is growing up within you and it's killing you. And it's killing your family and killing your marriage. It doesn't have to be like that. Because God has provided a way. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In closing. And we're going we're gonna to provide a time this morning just again for you to come up here. You know, if, if you're sitting there this morning and, and you haven't, you know, you've got just things in your life, things that you have experienced and that has caused you pain and, and you know that you've hurt other people and you've not been willing or able to forgive yourself, we want to give you that, just that opportunity, you know, for, for, you know, the elders will be up here to pray with you, our prayer team to pray with you if you need somebody to pray with. So if you're sitting there this morning and you just have not 
you have stuff that you haven't been willing to forgive yourself, this is the morning. And maybe you're sitting there and, and, and you have someone that you have a grudge against that you just have not been willing to forgive or let go of something they have done to you. And get rid of that poison. You know, lay them on the altar. Let, let that go. Allow God's love and forgiveness to flow into your heart so that you can experience that peace and that freedom that comes with genuine forgiveness. So as I'm reading this, I'd like to ask the, the, the worship team if they would come up. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're sitting here, you are in Christ this morning. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are in Christ. He says, you are a new creation. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by counting men's sin, by not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making an appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. This morning, this is a call to be reconciled to God and to be reconciled to your fellow man, to your brothers and sisters in Christ your husband or your wife or a brother or a sister. But this morning is just for you. If there is unforgiveness in your life that you need to deal with this morning, this is a time to do it. And you, you don't have to come up here. You can do it right where you're at. But there's something freeing about coming up here. Is there unforgiveness in your life that needs to be dealt with? You know, Ask God to show you areas where you have not forgiven yourself people that you have not forgiven and pray this morning that God would give you the courage to forgive yourself and to forgive others and to begin to live a life of freedom stand with me Father we just this morning Lord I pray for Lord, just for your love first of all to flow over every person that is here this morning. Lord, I especially pray for, for people Lord, that are sitting here this morning and, and are feeling guilt and, and feeling shame and, and just have, have been forget You've forgiven them. You've thrown their sins as far as the east is from the west. You remember them no more, and yet they've not been, been able to, to put that sin behind them, to forgive themselves. I pray that this morning would be the morning when, when you would just wash over them your love and your mercy. And Lord, there are people here this morning that, that have been hurt by someone else. And Lord, they're just, they're being held captive by unforgiveness. their life and, and 
Lord, this morning I pray that you would free them from that captivity. Lord, this morning they could, could just extend forgiveness to people that they need to forgive. Lord, that they wouldn't spend another minute at uh, offering sacrifices at the altar before they go and make uh, things right with their brother or their sister. But Lord, just this morning would be a morning of, of, of reconciliation, a morning of freedom from the bondage that we find ourselves in. And that Satan would no longer have a foothold on our lives. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you, you know, if you just need somebody to pray with you this morning, you know, here's a time for you to do that. And don't be embarrassed. Um, this is a freeing place. And I encourage you to take advantage of it.